And I think it's time for folks in business and industry to expect more of their local colleges and universities. Mm. And um, I, if you're not getting what you need, uh, I think it's time to make a phone call. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, it's episode 151. Today, we're discussing building AI and automation into technical college curriculums. Our guest this week is Richard Barnhouse, the president at Waukesha County Technical College, which is basically 30 minutes outside of Milwaukee, and I think it's super appropriate that this topic is coming up today. Two episodes ago, we dove into AI for manufacturing, and last week we had an episode specifically about addressing the workforce gap, one of our more frequent topics on this show. So keeping in that spirit, today's episode pretty well weaves both of these topics together. Here are three things you can expect from today's show. First, we'll hear about Rich's background, the state of the manufacturing industry, and the urgency of evolving the way we do technical education. Second, Rich will share how they're doing that at Waukesha County Technical College. And third, we'll hear about companies that are already starting to effectively leverage AI. And of course, Rich shares his advice on how manufacturing companies, big and small, should be getting involved in the future of technical education and building a competitive, future-ready workforce. As always, to learn more, go to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 151. And if you like this episode, if you're enjoying this show, and hey, maybe you just haven't gotten around to it before, leave us a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts, over at Spotify, wherever you listen to the show. If you're on Apple, make sure to write a short review. doesn't need to be longer than a couple sentences. We would greatly appreciate it if you did. It helps continue to get the show on the radar of other manufacturing leaders like yourself. All right, with that, it's time to meet up with Richard Barnhouse. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Rich in person for this one, so let's get in the car and drive west of Milwaukee for today's conversation. Rich, thanks for being here. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, I made the drive out here to Waukesha County from Milwaukee this morning, and there's right. some very picturesque spots oh, out absolutely. here. Yeah, this is a great, great part of the state, great part of the country. Absolutely. And if we were hanging out, let's say post 5 p.m., having this conversation yep. over a beverage, where would we be? Paint the picture. Well, in this area, there are literally thousands of great places to go. But for me, I would say something probably close to our Pewaukee campus. So Probably on Pewaukee Lake, uh, the Five O'Clock Club is one of my favorites, as well as Artisan uh, in a different part of Pewaukee Lake. And the sun's going down, whether it's you know January and snow on the lake, or it's a, a day like uh, today where it's uh, it's pretty nice out. So one of those, it's really picturesque, and the Five O'Clock Club's got great trees, and um, you know Artisan is uh, you can see the sun going down right over the water with a beach, and it's absolutely beautiful. Small town, small town USA. It's really perfect. I think I can visualize it very well. I have done some afternoon paddleboarding out there. Oh, and great! Have finished with a beverage right yeah. on the shore. Oh, so. perfect! And there are plenty of places to go uh, all through Lake Country. 
Yeah, it's excellent. It's it's a good spot. So, you know, let's say we're we're having a post paddleboarding conversation. Yeah. We're at the five o'clock club and someone asks you, you know, Rich, why do you believe the technical college system in Wisconsin is poised to change higher ed across the country? How do you have that conversation as if you're having a drink with someone? Well, first I'd ask them to buy the next round. And then after <laughs> after that, because uh, it's a it's a pretty expensive question. Uh, but it's a great one. Um, you know, higher education right now is in uh, an interesting position. And it's probably one of the last industries to be disrupted. And it's not going to be disrupted by technology the way so many other industries uh, have been. Now, technology will certainly play into that, but that's not going to be the main uh, impetus for it. And a lot of it's based on population change um, and also population change and not really keeping up and meeting the, the needs of employers in various communities and various regions. So. The technical college system has been built on, for over 100 years, built on delivering exactly the workforce, the training, the education that's needed in our local communities. Some are big communities, some are small communities. Um, the Waukesha, greater Milwaukee area is pretty, pretty big. Um, so there's a lot of uh, various um, you know, requests that we get, and there's a lot of variety in the types of businesses that are here. But I think it goes back to, to how... Um, the system was started and why the system was started. And a hundred plus years later, I think we're really just hitting our stride. Now, the reason that we're going to change the way higher education is done across the United States, I think is primarily in the, in, because of the fact that we do exactly, and I mean pretty much exactly what our employers and industry partners in our local communities want and need. So, Traditionally, forever, and this still goes on at 98% of the colleges and universities across the country, an employer will come to a college or university and say, I've got this issue, I've got this need, I need my, my employees trained or educated in this way. And the college or university typically says, um, sure, we can help you with that. We've got an existing program and you can have them enroll in there and they'll get most of what you're looking for. And it's never true. Right, you get a little bit of what it's of what uh, the manufacturer industry person might be looking for. The way we do it is we we will build a program specifically for um, so a particular business, uh, an industry of a variety of businesses in the area to deliver exactly what we'll, what they need, and we'll send faculty out to go and study what they're doing, understand what they're doing, build our curriculum, work with our system, and then deliver the program, and. We're really sort of amplifying that now um, at this college, and I think it's happening um, across the technical college system. The other thing that I will say is that we can get a, a brand new program up and launched between six months and a year, which in higher education is light speed. I was going to say, that speed. seems very fast. It's very, very fast. Yeah. Um, and it's because of the way we're set up. We're really nimble. Okay. I, re I report to a local board of trustees who who hire me as the president and CEO, uh -huh. and I don't have to go to Madison for those listening outside of Wisconsin, the state of was of um, or sorry the capital of Wisconsin, mm -hmm. where the legislature is and and the system is and those types of things because I report to a local board of taxpayers and business owners here. Okay, um, that I go to them and say I want to do this, and they typically say yes. Now there's a process there, but it allows us to move unbelievably quickly. 
Was that always the case or is that a recent evolution? No, that's really always been the case. Okay. And, and the system was set up to meet the needs, the local needs and demands of what was happening uh, in local economies. I mean, and if you think back 100, 120 years ago, um, the difference between Green Bay and Milwaukee or Wausau or Barron Lake, Rice County, it was vast. They're still different today. But they were almost in different planets. They were so far apart. And yeah. so it was so important that the curriculum was driven by what was what's needed there. You know, and there's a great example that we're living with right now. I mean, um, one of the colleges up in Wausau, NTC, starting a brand new uh, sawyering program for logging, for sawmills, right? They, they need that program up there. It's a major investment for them. And I was joking with their president that in the greater Milwaukee area, I'm never going to start that program. We're building artificial intelligence, machine learning, and those types of things uh, because we have different needs. And so I think that's one of the strengths of the system is that it's not a single curriculum broadcast across the state like so many university systems do. Yeah, It's specific to what's needed in the local area. So I, I you brought something up that I was going to talk about later, but I feel like yeah. we should address it early. It's, okay. And you talked about it briefly in terms of how you go get the feedback from the community of what's needed. You yeah. send your faculty out to yep. work with the local employers, just so the people out there are learning what you're doing and kind of think how they might be able to take it to their communities yeah. as well. Do you have like a board set up, like a local business board that you work with? Is it just case by case? Give, give us a little insight sure. into how that works. So it's a few ways. Um, one, I think that the way I'll just start with my sort of personal philosophy mm -hmm. about being a president or chancellor. Mm -hmm. We have a different responsibility today than we had 30 years ago, mm -hmm. but most presidents and chancellors, that's a little broad, many are still operating like it's 1978. Yeah. You come to us. Yeah. So I glean a ton of information by being on boards in the community, going out and visiting, like honestly, you know, I carry a pair of steel toe boots in my trunk mm -hmm. and, and glasses so I can get on a plant floor and understand what's going on, understand what the needs are, get under a machine so they can point to me what they're training on or what kind of technology would be great if it were just invented and created. Yeah. And and so that's part of it. That, that I think that if you're going to lead an organization that's responsible to respond to the community and the businesses and industry, then you better get out there, throw on some boots, uh, be prepared to tear up your tie. Um, and get get under a machine to see what the real needs are. So that's one thing. The other thing is learning from the chambers of commerce. And so I, you know, I work with a lot of chambers in the area. And so I'm hearing directly. I'm in the room listening to folks in business and manufacturing. You know, it's almost like a focus group every mm -hmm. every month for me, and I'm learning about that. But the biggest thing, and this really separates the technical college system, uh, the WTCS, from I think many others in the country. For every program we have here at WCTC, we have an advisory group, an advisory council made up of people locally who are in that business, in that industry. And they advise us on curriculum. And there's nothing like that. Because as soon as a textbook is printed, mm -hmm. it could whether it's something in marketing or in CNC or in diesel or in robotics or in graphic design, as soon as that thing is printed, it's out of date. Yeah. And so Certainly, that's faculty are using that, but they're also making great use of the the experts for every program has an advisory council about is this still accurate? Should we be teaching this? What's next? What's not in the textbook? And that that's one of the things that really I think sets us apart. We're we're going to dig into this area as as we get going in the interview. But one thing I want to make sure we capture before we get too far is 
what brought you here mm. to Waukesha County Technical College? Because you've been around. Like yeah. this is not your first soiree in a leadership role yeah. at a university. I'll give you the quick sort of once over. So yeah. I started after grad school uh, at Central Michigan University. Uh, I took a, a job at Rice University in Houston, mm. Texas, and that was a great experience. And from there, I went to the University of South Carolina main campus in Columbia. And I spent some time there um, and then moved up to Wisconsin. And it was my first time in two-year education was at the University of Wisconsin Sheboygan, where I was an assistant dean. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was about 2003 or four that I moved up to Wisconsin. And then I, I moved over to the, from the UW system at UW Sheboygan, uh, the University of Wisconsin system, to the technical college system, I, where I was the dean of students at Moraine Park Technical College in Fond du Lac. And that was my first real you know, foray in, into everything that the technical system Mm -hmm. technical college system offered. Uh, and then following that, I went back to UW and I was an associate vice chancellor uh, for all of the two-year UWs in the state for a number of years. Um, and then uh, went to Florida for five years as a vice president. And I left the, my vice presidency in Florida to come up here to WCTC. But I first really learned about WCTC when I was at Moraine Park in Fond du Lac, part of the same system. And everything it seemed that WCTC did was outstanding. And I always thought if I ever get a chance to work there as a professional, right? And I wasn't thinking about the presidency. I was just thinking, you know, I was at dean level at the time, just thinking if I ever get the opportunity, I'm going to take it. Um, and so then all these years later, I was, you know, the opportunity came up and I was contacted and one thing led to another and here we are. And I'll throw one more thing on that. Okay. So my wife uh, went through the Pewaukee school system. So my wife is back home in her hometown. Got it. Um, and actually took classes here. Okay. I always threaten to look up her grades. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you've been around the block. You've done this more than a few times. And you, uh, the next question I have is around a comment you made when we first talked and you've hinted at in this interview is that, you know, higher ed's needed to change for 25 years. Um, you've cited population decline as a reason. One of the other areas that stuck out that I wanted to learn more about was you also said industry has been organically evolving at an unbelievable pace mm -hmm. lately. So give us some context on that. Yeah. So the interesting thing about it is that I don't even think that industry realizes they're, that they're doing it, right? It's just sort of auto, automatic, organic evolution. And I really think there was certainly some of this, you know, in the early, you know, 20 teens, right? Everything that happened during the pandemic wasn't bad. It was not a fun experience for anybody and businesses really struggled and suffered, but they got very creative very quickly because yeah. it was about survival, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you hear that on this podcast mm -hmm. regularly. And they very quickly got efficient and started evolving in ways because they didn't have the humans and they had to figure out how to do what they needed to get done to meet production. Um, and they did it in unbelievable ways. Some of it was just reorganizing the humans that they had. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was saying, okay, we're going to invest. We don't know what we're doing, but we're going to get a FANUC, for example, mm -hmm. um, or a set, and we're, gonna, we're just going to get started. And that accidentally led some manufacturers in the greater Milwaukee area accidentally into lights out operations, right? And it wasn't something that they had considered before. But because of this, they realized, you know what? I think we can kind of double what we're doing here because we can run a lot of this stuff at night, lights out, nobody's here. Um, and they've gotten a lot, a lot more efficient, a lot quicker, a lot more accurate. Um, and 
which is, I think has really set them up for, for what's coming. And I think because of their experience, and I'm just saying, I think, cause I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Fair. I think part of what's happening now is they are not afraid to try different things, mm-hmm. to make bolder moves and bolder investments in their production. Um, because they had to do it in COVID. And I think what a lo- what I hear from a lot of them is that, sure, some of the things we tried were a fail, but the majority of what we tried was a success. Yeah. And now we know we can push the envelope a little bit and try to get better and better and better. Yeah. Well, my one of my questions is why aren't, why does it feel like you're such an early adopter in terms of what you're doing for AI and automation? If that's more apparent now, why does it still feel like you're, colleges in the minority of people that are pushing, pushing this now. I'm surprised by it. I am. Um, I have been at several events with other college and university leaders mm-hmm. um, where they've acknowledged that WCTC is out in front on this and out in front, I think even in the Midwest. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but what I can tell you the way I've approached it or the way I've been influenced to get moving on this is Simply, you know, having steel toe boots on and standing on a plant Mm -hmm. floor. Literally, I had this conversation about two years ago with somebody um, who manufactures um, uh, roofing material for Mm -hmm. commercial buildings, right? We're Mm -hmm. not talking Mm -hmm. shingles, but big time uh, commercial buildings. And we were walking around. He was showing me around with some of the things that he was doing. And he said, Rich, uh, or I said, wow, you've got a lot of uh, automation in here. And he said, he said, yeah, uh, we've had to do that. And um, I've got two employees left in this part of the plant. I used to have 11 or 12, but he said, I can't even afford to have those two people here. Mm-hmm. I've got to get them somewhere where we haven't figured out automation yet. Yep. And because I need to automate the rest of this. And yeah. then we got into a conversation about, I need these machines to be smarter mm-hmm. and I need them to do, I need to understand how to get them to do what I want them to do. Yeah. And what I realized is that, after COVID, a lot of people had automated kind of, mm-hmm. um, sort of transactionally, not systems thinking. Um, and they were probably only using about 20% of the capacity of what that bot or system could do. Yeah, And it was right leading up into artificial intelligence. And so everything I was hearing, whether it was from um, behavioral sciences, right, or uh, health sciences, uh, and then... It, in manufacturing, everybody was telling me without knowing what they were saying is we need artif- people coming out with artificial intelligence degrees. Mm-hmm. We need that link to machine learning yeah. um, so that we can get things really starting to move. And I know our audience understands this, but to clarify, you said they went from like 11 people, they yeah. were down to two. And it's not because they got rid of those 11 people it's right. because they were retiring. They're just they're yeah. like, they're th- those people just left. And they're like, how do we do more with less people? Now? Yeah. I mean, literally what this what I've seen a lot of is there were 11 or 12 people there. Mm -hmm. They're still employed by the company. Yep. They're in a completely different part of the operation. Yeah. Right. Where they haven't figured out how to automate. Um, and I, I really think that had we not seen this dearth in employees, Mm -hmm. that's going to continue well into the 2030s. Definitely. Right. If we hadn't seen that over COVID, all 12 of those people would still be in that part of the plant. Sure. Um, and I, there's this, I, there's a real concern out there that automation, artificial intelligence is going to take away jobs. It's not, mm-hmm. it's going to create more jobs than we can even imagine. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, do we ever need automation now? Cause we don't have the bodies now. You're right. And as I remind folks out there yeah. in industry right now, 2023, 
this is already the good old days of hiring humans. This mm-hmm. is as good as it's going to get Yeah, as far out as we can see into the 2030s. So it's not as if there's going to be this rush of humans back into your workforce. You've got to start thinking about how do I automate? Yeah. Yeah. Repurposing jobs. You're to be, to be clear, you're preaching to the choir on this show. They understand it, but it's always good to make sure we, we add that uh, disclaimer in there as well. But this, uh, this is certainly an audience here at Manufacturing Happy Hour that understands automation job creator. Your example is a perfect way that you described how it's not replacing jobs, but it's repurposing. And I'll bet those jobs are a lot more fun right now. They are and they pay better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Great. I mean, win, win, win across the board. We'll be right back, right after a word from our sponsor. Are you stressed out by last minute changes in panel building? Maybe you've encountered this scenario. Your customer has requested control cabinets from you and the delivery date is set. You use CAD to create the schematics, you've got your bill of materials, purchasing buys all the components, and then bam, your customer submits last minute changes and you're stuck going backwards to make those changes. If you've been in this situation before, then you need to check out ePlan. ePlan goes beyond your typical CAD software and is ideal for electrical engineering. You can easily integrate component data from hundreds of manufacturers and enter changes just once and apply those changes to the entire project, freeing up your time to take on more important tasks and more customers. You can learn more by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com ePlan and make sure to catch our full-length interview with them in episode 132, where we talk panel design, apprenticeships, and manufacturing the world over. And now, back to today's episode. Another kind of 101 question, because I, I, I feel like this should be obvious to a lot of folks, but you said it's your job to keep manufacturing here in South Southeast Wisconsin. Yep. Go into that a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I really look at my role as the president at WCTC as ensuring that we have the, the workforce that's needed, mm-hmm. right? Whether it is people moving into white collar stuff mm-hmm. out of this college or a lot of what we do, really getting into the heavy manufacturing technical applications of, of skill. Whatever that is, I have a responsibility to this community to make sure that that's happening. In addition to that, I think one of the ways that we're changing higher ed as well is that we look at ourselves as being responsible for co-creating businesses And even bigger than that, co-creating industries. Mm -hmm. So we're working with business and industry to figure out how they can get better, where things branch off, um, in addition to deploying deploying a workforce for them. Uh, But beyond that, you know, I I really think that, um, so 2027 is probably the dropout in the population. Yeah. Um, If you think it's bad now, just, you know, hold on to something. Yeah. And... uh, (laughs) Um, I, my goal here in the greater Milwaukee area, Waukesha County is to work with a group to help, um, get our local manufacturers, uh, up to speed on automation and, and intelligence, Mm -hmm. because if they don't do that, uh, everybody's going to be struggling because there are going to be even fewer people here. And those folks that get ahead on automation, um, are really going to, really going to excel quickly. And so I really feel like it's my responsibility to help business and industry here in my region 
get better at what they do, mm-hmm. get prepared for the next three, four, five, ten years, so that they continue to be in business. And you know, we are not the college on the hill. We are in the community working with people, mm-hmm. and and we all have a vested interest in industry being wildly successful in this area. And I really see it as my responsibility to take this information out and work with local businesses and manufacturers to make sure that they're, they understand what's coming, how they can automate. Cause it doesn't all have to be a $10 million or a hundred million dollar investment. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of this, the automation things are really pretty cheap. I mean, yeah. s- sensors are a hundred bucks. Yep. Right. Yep. And so there are simple ways to do this. And that's really part of our responsibility as the college in this community. Do all technical college presidents view that as their responsibility? And, and if not, why? Um, I don't, I think the quick answer is probably yes. Okay. I think, (laughs) I think in the tech system, uh, in Wisconsin, absolutely. They they would all see it that way. So there, there are 16 tech colleges in the state. We all know each other well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can think about my colleagues and I'm, I'm certain that they would all say, yes, that's part of their responsibility. Yeah. It's part of our DNA. Yeah. You know, as, as a system and, um, and, and it's, it's part of, it's really the culture and there's a real understanding. And I think that when presidents, cause there are, for every president's job that you have the opportunity to, to, to interview for, or you're competing for, there are five, six, seven, sometimes 10 others mm-hmm. because there are so many openings. Mm-hmm. So it gives folks the opportunity to go and do what they want as the president of a college, should they meet the, you know, the qualifications, people come to the technical college system to lead here because it's unique. And it gives you the amazing ability to really have an impact on the lives in the community and the lifeblood of the economy mm-hmm. in a way that other regional institutions and national institutions just don't. Yeah. You've made it very clear in this conversation so far, why automation is important, why AI is going to be important. I'm really excited for the audience to hear this part. And I'm excited to, to learn more about it too, because you're taking action around this and creating certificates and degree programs specifically to address these areas. You have a plethora of them. Sure. So rather than rather than me get it wrong, can you give us an overview of those areas that, yeah. that you're creating or that have been created and what it, and let's relate it back to how they're serving the industry as well. Sure, absolutely. So we've had robotics, a really robust robotics program at WCTC for a number of years, mm-hmm. and obviously that's evolved over time, right? Every year there's new bots, new things happening, uh, new technologies, and we've been really fortunate to hire truly the best faculty in the area mm-hmm. on those types of things. So it, I think it probably started. Um, with robotics and a little bit of, I, you know, we've got a, a pretty a big IT department um, on the curricular side. And, you know, I think everybody got over-focused on cybersecurity and that's mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we've got a robust program. Um, but so building out of IT and robotics um, and those types of things um, and even CNC, and and how and how do we and mechatronics right? So how do we get in, in electrical mechanical engineering, which we have on the on the campus? Mm-hmm. How do we get all of these things together to help business and industry thrive? Yeah, right. And when you th- when we started thinking about that, even before I was having conversations out in the community, that leads to machine learning, 
based on robotics and mm-hmm. based in artificial intelligence. Yeah. And so we, we had the foundation here, whether it was in engineering, IT, robotics, mm-hmm. CNC, traditional types of manufacturing. We yeah. Had it all this here. wasn't a start from scratch. No, type thing. no. We had all the nuts and bolts. We just needed to layer in mm-hmm. very intentionally artificial intelligence. Yeah. And so that's what we've, what we've built. And so let me talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, we're looking at artificial intelligence in, in terms of how do we take that technology and utilize it, leverage it, work with our employers so that it is AI for manufacturing, AI for industry. So we're not talking about Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. right? We're not talking about making your cell phone smarter, right? right? Certainly we can do that. But we're totally applying artificial intelligence and machine learning to business and industry in our local area. Mm -hmm. And so when we got started, what I I told the group that was working on this is, look, we can take a look around the country to see what folks are doing, but we're not building this for people in Ohio or Texas or Florida or California. Mm -hmm. We're building this for our employers right here locally. And so we worked with our local employers. We had them in on a regular basis, big and small, to help us understand what their needs were for, for AI and machine learning. So the local employers really helped us build this program. We also worked with Intel, the chip guys, Mm -hmm. um, to help us build our curriculum um, as well, um, as well as others around the area. Uh, We worked with Milwaukee School of of Engineering, who've been a great partner of ours. Um, And so we went about it from a local perspective with global knowledge. So applying global knowledge locally here. Um, And so the way this is working is we're starting out with three certificates, And we've got an associate degree that we're very likely to have approved by our state system in September. And it's, it is a quite a process to get programming approved. And so it's a robust process when it comes out of the WTCS, it's outstanding. So we're starting with three certificates. We've got a, a 12 credit foundations of data analytics, and that's really the start. So 12 credits, data analytics, really understanding, you know, what, how, how do I take this data? How do I make sense of it? Um, how do I become a data wrangler and make use of it for whether it's a machine making a decision or a human making a decision? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got a 17 credit foundations of AI. So building on that, um, understanding more about algorithms and Python and those types of programs so that you can really start to get into the programming and manipulation of data to mm-hmm. make use of it for a machine or a human. And then our third certificate is a, a 23 credit and it's a full AI technician. Okay. And when you complete this certificate, you've got skills that 99% of the population does not. Yeah. And it really sets you up to be really quite effective after 23 credits where you're really on the verge of becoming a leader in AI. How long do those 23 credits take just out of curiosity? Well, how, how quick can you work? I, I mean, mean this, that's kind of yeah, my thought. I yeah. feel like that would have been, that would have been a very stacked semester. It is. So it is. So yeah. you're, you're, you're talking probably a year. That's still uh, not a lot of time no. to totally differentiate yourself yep. from the rest of the workforce. It, it's not, it's really not. And, um, th- I think the way we're moving and the need from industry, right? So we're going to do this full two-year associate's degree. Mm-hmm. That'll be live. Uh, we'll have uh, the ability to start offering that very, very soon. Um, but for a lot of business and industry, as we're starting this sort of new industrial revolution, mm-hmm. we don't have time to wait for a two-year or four-year degree, yeah. right? We need people out there quickly after six months, a year-ish, 
mm -hmm. um, and with great knowledge and skills to get going. Yeah. Because China's not waiting, right? Um, and all of our competitors and folks who don't like us so much, they are moving at this at lightning speed. Yeah. And so we've got to get going. And so we think that some of the quick hit, you know, just really hardcore AI stuff, not a lot of fluff, just very, very serious AI stuff, packaging it together in a way that is intense, mm -hmm. but but can be done in a reasonable amount of time to get these grads out to business and industry. Yeah. Wow. Um, a, a couple of questions I have around this program. And one of the big ones is who is, who benefits the most from this program? I'm going to go, I'm going to add some more detail to that. Cause when you made a comment earlier that, Hey, sensor prices are dropping. Automation is not as expensive anymore. You know, how does this work for businesses say with 50 employees or less? I think we had kind of talked about that before we did this interview, but this isn't just for the big guys, right? right. Yeah. I, I mean, importantly, the big guys, and we've got a number of them. For those of you that are familiar with the greater Milwaukee area, we've got a number of global uh, operators here, right? We've got a footprint all over the planet, but they're the majority of the businesses in, in Wisconsin are, you know, 50 or fewer employers, employees, 100 or fewer mm -hmm. employees, right? And a lot of those might be made up of 20 or 30 employee kind of companies. Those are the folks that I'm really worried about. Mm -hmm. And um, because we've got to get them automated quickly uh, or they're going to face some significant challenges, not yeah. just from overseas, but from all the different states as people are starting to, to automate and mm -hmm. as the human population uh, declines. Um so it really benefits, it could be a, a single person company mm -hmm. that could benefit tremendously by investing a few thousand dollars, mm -hmm. right? As you get bigger, you get in probably into the tens and et cetera, uh, thousands of dollars, but it's reasonably affordable. Mm -hmm. um, I think what will, what will continue to bring down the cost is as we start pumping out grads mm -hmm. who understand this. Sure. And as, because one of the other things we're going to be building is an automation integrators program. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is, it sort of goes hand in hand. Um, and if we've got time, I'd love to talk about that. I think that's going to be one of the bigger industries. We definitely should talk about okay. that too. Yeah. Let's um, dive in. All right. So, you know, artificial intelligence is going to help bring down the cost because it's going to help employers get smarter about what they actually need. And, and leveraging AI to reduce their cost, mm -hmm. right? Their overhead and their costs with an even greater output. Mm -hmm. So it really helps small businesses scale up quickly, um, get to scale that they didn't think they'd be able to reach. And it, I think it really allows large, large manufacturers, let's say that have over 2,000 to 100,000 employees. Mm -hmm. I think it helps them manage their costs, become even more efficient and create things for human beings that we never thought possible. Yeah. So on the automation side... This is really where the rubber meets the road and AI is getting all the attention. And I understand why it's kind of sexy and cool. And, um, you know, then you got people saying it's going to end the world and all that, which it's not. Um, and so that gets a lot of the attention. Yeah. But the immediate need right now for the next seven, 10, 12 years is getting um, small businesses, medium sized businesses automated. Mm -hmm. And it, it has to do with the human population. Yeah. And so I really think that one of the biggest industries coming up very soon is going to be people who auto, who integrate automation, automation integrators into small operations, medium size and massive size scale operations. Mm. Um, that demand that we're hearing about that is unbelievably high. 
Yeah. And so we're in the process this year, we're going to be building an uh, automation integrators program. Okay. And it could turn out to be our first three year program. Okay. Because it's so intense. Yeah. Right. You've got to, you've got to understand mechatronics, different types of engineering, artificial intelligence. You've got to understand, um, CNC, um, and you've got to have some, um, architectural understanding as well as some interior design, because these are the folks that walk into any plant, whether it's the size of a 10 by 10 room or a million dollar square foot plus facility and say, okay, you know, you've got this number of humans and and you can't fill it. You need to automate. We're going to build this system for you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a huge consulting op- uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. And for the big guys, you know, there are a couple of companies in Wisconsin right now that have between 15 and 20 full-time integrators yeah. hired by the company. And that's all they do. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be a major, major initiative. And I, I think that that's another responsibility that we have um, as a college is to build that program. But then also on the other side of that, I had conversations about this yesterday with some folks that I need to get with the chambers of commerce, the state government mm-hmm. and other organizations as well as, as lenders to build a pathway for small and medium sized businesses to automate. Yeah. Because the, they all, all are going to need help. And that's part of the responsibility of the college. And is this something, any one of these programs, the certificates, yeah. the potential three-year program yeah. or associate's degree yeah. you were just talking about, are these things people can work on while they're working their yeah. job? Absolutely. Yeah. That happens a lot. It, it happens in a couple of, of ways. One, the obvious way, and I've actually seen this in Living Color, where we've got a student who's working in a lab and we, we always welcome and we do tours for business and industry coming through. Mm-hmm. And most of our our students, and we've got about 17,000. So it's a pretty big operation. Most of our students have jobs before they, they leave. Yeah. You know, sign, sealed, deliver, they have jobs. Once in a while, we'll have somebody who hasn't made up their mind. And I've seen employers walking through on a tour, seeing what somebody's doing on a machine or in a classroom or a lab and saying, hey, do you, do you have a job? Can I interrupt you? Do you have a job? <laughs> Literally, I've seen this. Yeah. And, and I saw one student say, no, I haven't, I haven't made a decision yet. And somebody handed them the card and said, call me tomorrow morning. I'm going to hire you. I'm not surprised by this. And this has happened. <laughs> I was on a tour with a manufacturer. They hired this student. The next day, paid for the second year of his education mm-hmm. and was working and going to school simultaneously. Absolutely. So that happens awesome. a lot. And we also have manufacturers that that hire somebody and say, we're sending you to WCTC Yeah, and you'll work off and on. And it's sort of like a way they kind of make up an apprenticeship almost. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I thought that would be your answer yeah. to that. I, it was maybe a bit of a leading question. There, yeah. But, yeah uh, that, that's a high fastball across the plate. Yeah, uh, exactly. Thank you. I like exactly. that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'll, I don't know if I've got any more high fastballs across mm-hmm. the okay. plate, but as we get towards the the end of our interview, yeah. one, one question I have is like, who's companies that are like ahead in artificial intelligence, right? Yeah. You mentioned a very important point earlier that we're not talking about like Generate generative AI out in California right. and the things they're developing. Yeah, we're talking conventional AI. Yeah, conventional AI, and I think you said like locally, and I don't. This isn't a manufacturing company, but Rogers Behavioral Health. Yep. For example, in Oconomowoc, mm-hmm. is an example of someone that's 
using AI well, or they're further ahead than most are right now. Can you share that story a little bit? So we've got some context there of what successful AI could look like and and learning from an adjacent industry for our audience is great as well. Sure. So, uh, Rogers behavioral health, um, I believe is the largest, uh, inpatient beds for, for mental health in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've do a variety of services. Yeah. And they're based in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Um, they're an unbelievably, uh, um, forward-looking organization on, on that side, behavioral side of health. And they started employing uh, artificial intelligence a number of years ago and thinking about it and working through it. Mm-hmm. And the reason they got started so quickly is because they hired somebody who had been educated in the early stages as artificial intelligence was coming out. Interesting. And so um, this individual really got started and got going. And they are now, and maybe don't quote me on this because it's been a while since it's been a few sure. months since I've talked to them, but you know, to get a diagnosis correct and med, you know, uh, what types of medications are going to be needed to help this patient um, and the type of therapy that might be needed, that is a ton of data that you need yeah. to make that evaluation and get it right for that human being. Mm-hmm. And it typically takes months and months and months of visits, they can now do this with one, as little as one visit. Wow. And, and have the meds, the therapy, the, all these things in one or two visits, uh, with 97% accuracy, something like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, now I'm sure I'll get a phone call from those guys and say, Hey, Rich, you're kind of <laughs> off here a little bit, but so generally speaking, that's what yeah. we're talking about. Yes. And that's leveraging artificial intelligence to do that. Yes. And so actually, and they were part of the, one of the folks companies that helped us build our AI program. Yeah. But you know, there are others in the area in Milwaukee. A lot of people are familiar with Northwestern mutual mm-hmm. massive, mm-hmm. massive company. Um, they are light years ahead as well yeah. uh, with the services and the things that they provide. Now they're a big guy, right? They've, they've got the resources to throw at this mm-hmm. uh, and they've partnered with some local universities as well. So they, they've partnered with uh, Marquette. I believe you're an alum. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Yep. So you. they've partnered with, uh, with Marquette and university of Wisconsin, Milwaukee to start considering this in, in those types of applications. But, uh, Northwestern mutual was a great, you know, they were a great partner for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, uh, and part of our, our AI programming and helping us build it as well. But there are others, um, in the area. Um, a lot of people are familiar with Generac. Yeah. Um, oh and, yeah. And Generac is definitely a leader. Yeah. Um, and AI and some of the things that um, their CIO has been talking about, and they also were a mm-hmm. big part of helping us build our, our, our program. Um, and they, they're doing some really interesting things to um, alleviate some of the busy work that employers are doing. Mm-hmm. They're sorry, their employees are doing yeah. to allow them to be more productive, more creative. Yep. Um, and so, um, you know, they're, they're a fascinating company to begin with, but man, they're way ahead. Um, Eaton Power Systems. Uh, we work closely with Eaton. They're another one who's who's really doing uh, very very uh, impressive work. And um, you know they do they build massive transformers, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, power the country. And um, so they're we're working with them um, really quite closely as well. Um, and then there you know there's a company called Dedicated Computing here. Yeah. Um, and they are they're they in terms of the number of employees that are going to be hired. Um, they're way ahead and thinking about things um, differently as well. There's so many to, to name. I was going right? to say, you've just been given a good yeah. laundry list right yeah. here. All and locally too. All locally. Yeah. And so that's just locally here in the Waukesha, Milwaukee area. Mm-hmm. And that's just a few of them. 
And so you can see why when they start they started describing what they were needing, I thought, oh, okay, you're talking about AI. Um, and that's how we got rolling here. But these are some of the folks that are are really leading the way. Well, I appreciate you giving a shout out to Tim Dixon, CIO over at Oh, you know Rack. Tim. Well, okay. he was on the show 11 episodes ago. Oh, he so was. You're not, you're not okay. too far behind him. Yeah, so our, yeah, our yeah. listeners might yeah. be familiar with that one. We didn't talk about AI. I feel like that was a missed opportunity there on my part yeah. for not bringing that Actually, up. Actually, Tim, Tim's way ahead on it. Yeah. And he's really leading the that whole new piece uh, for them. And yeah. uh, so he, Tim was on campus um, last week, I think, and he's been a real supporter of mm-hmm. the program here at WCTC, as well as that whole company. He's super active in the community. Episode 140, for those of you out there that are wondering where that one is. Yeah. So not too far back I should the mention one, okay, one more <laughs> company, um, uh, Hydrothermal, okay. uh, locally here. Um, they have also are really pressing in. Uh, Jim Zeiser on, on, on artificial intelligence, and they've done a, a great job and a, another great supporter. And these are all... Um, it folks in industry from a variety of different types of industries. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, I know we're getting towards the end of the conversation, but I'm glad to hear there's so many folks out there taking action. I'd love to kind of wrap with an action for the audience out there. Most of the people listening to this are going to be people that work in industry. So they're, they're not the people that are at the technical colleges yep. themselves, but what would be your call to action for the folks a- across the country, right? Yeah. Most of our audience is here in the U S so, um, and not necessarily in Wisconsin. So what would be the call to action for the audience out there that many of them are struggling with their own workforce challenges right now? Yeah, I, you know, I was asked a similar question a couple of weeks ago and, and my answer is still the same. And I think it's time for folks in business and industry to expect more of their local colleges and universities. Hmm. And um, I, if you're not getting what you need, uh, I think it's time to make a phone call. It's always best if you're polite, right? Yeah. But to to try and get a um, a meeting with a, a the president or provost or one of the vice presidents to start the conversation about, look, this is what we need. This mm-hmm. is what your graduates are able to do. It's not good enough. Yeah. It's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And this is what we actually need. And what they'll find, they'll very quickly find who is our higher ed partner. Mm-hmm. Because they'll find some folks that say, yeah, no, this is kind of what we do which is, okay, you're not going to change for us. Got it. And then they'll find other colleges that say, sure, tell us what you need. Mm -hmm. We want to sit down. We want to build a program for you. Then you know you've got a partner. I think sometimes people um, don't think that they can or should ask a college or university for something. I'd say go for it. And so that would be part of my call to action. If you're not getting what you need, um, go in and tell them. And I also... One of the things, great things in this area is that our K-12 system, superintendents who we work with closely, are really open to that as well. And they will change what they're doing or modify what they're doing based on what the needs in the community are. And there's some really innovative things going on in K-12 in the Waukesha County area. The other call to action, I would say, is start looking at automation. Mm -hmm. Artificial intelligence, certainly, but automation, smart automation is really going to determine, you know, can I continue to operate or not? Mm-hmm. Just as an example, in Waukesha County, we've, we've run the data. We know that we're going to lose uh, almost 13% of the graduating high school class size over the next few years. That's a massive number. And we're actually, as you look nationally in this area, we're not going to do as, as poorly as many of the other areas. You mean they're going to move to other areas and things like that? No, like what, I, what, what I mean is it's just birth rate. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The, so the yeah, so the number of students 
coming out of high school mm-hmm. are, is going to decline by almost 13%. Makes sense. Yeah. In the next few years. Thank, yep. I appreciate the follow-up. Yeah. Um, and so that's happening across the country. So it doesn't matter where you are. In fact, if you are in the Western world and yeah. listening to this, mm-hmm. uh, it's really time to start thinking about planning, asking questions about automation. Excellent. You know, I always want to ask this. What is there anything we didn't cover in this episode mm. that you wish we would have talked about? A question you wish I would have asked you. Oh, wow. I think one of the things that's sort of the elephant in the room for higher education yeah. is what's going to happen to higher education. Fair, fair. Yeah. You're starting to see uh, a number of colleges, universities close across the country. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can anticipate that that's going to pick up speed for some time. Um, because the model, the higher ed model hasn't changed enough or quickly enough over the last 25 years. And, but now postage is due, so -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. And, um, we're going to see, I think higher education actually get better over the next decade. It's going to have to, because it's going to become more streamlined, more efficient. It will be forced to improve dramatically in order to stay in business. It's funny because I I think about that topic when I do a lot of these interviews, but the thing about today's conversation is that hadn't crossed my mind until you brought it up here because of all the very pragmatic, real, forward-looking things that you're doing here. So I hope more colleges and universities are on the track that you are here at Waukesha County. Um, With that, you know, just a quick recap. So the programs you have and you have coming out, you've got your three certificates around AI. Yep. And then you have, you're, you're getting approved for this two-year associate degree. In AI. And yep. then you might have this three-year one coming out around systems integration and automation, correct? Yes. One way or another, we will do the systems integration and automation, right? The, uh, there's no doubt we'll do that. What we're trying to figure out is how do we get this into a two-year degree program? It's yeah. not a four-year. Four yeah. years is too long, right? Sure. And so- It's one of the things where I've got to work with our system and our accreditors to think about what does this look like? If this is the demand that's needed in our community, then I've got a responsibility to deliver it. Mm -hmm. And um, as we need to change to keep up with business and industry. And so the automation systems integration, we will definitely be building over the course of this year. Um, What its final outcome is, we'll see. But, you know, right now, as we're lining up the curriculum, it's, you know, it's in the yeah. three-year mark, so we'll see how we do that. I'm excited to yeah. see what you have uh, come that, that shakes out here at Waukesha great. County Technical College. It's been great having you on the show today, Rich. And, Thank you uh, for I'll having make me. sure for everyone out there listening, we'll have spots to connect with Rich, WCTC. Thanks again for jumping on today's show. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to connect with Rich, if you want to learn more about Waukesha County Technical College and the programs that they offer, well, head to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 151. There you can also find links to the 5 O'Clock Club. That place looks like it has an awesome old school Wisconsin vibe, as well as Artisan 179 on the shores of Lake Pewaukee. I will personally definitely be hitting up both of these spots in the future. As always, I want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, ePlan. Thank you for supporting the show. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave that five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. Leave that five-star rating on Spotify if that's where you listen. 
And of course, if you like the episode and learn something from it, hey, share a link to it on LinkedIn or Twitter, wherever you tend to engage on social media. Share what you learned, share it with your peers, email it to your friend, email it to your boss, whoever you think should listen to it. Anyway, link again is manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 151. That'll take you straight to today's episode. And with that, stay innovative, stay thirsty, and we'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour, powered by the Industrial Network.